The following is a hoop ball presentation. It's crazy to think about, but day one of the NBA season is in the books, y'all. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a hoop ball presentation, so check out Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets online, hoop-ball.com. Manscaped is who we're working with this year. Pumped to do it. Literally check out all the great tools they have to take care of all the hair you have wherever you may have it. We got the promo code to hook you up. It is HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. To get that 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. To get that 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. Listen, y'all, I'm pumped. Had to get the housekeeping notes out the way because, wow, Tuesday was a day I've been looking forward to for a very long time. Not only is it the NBA uh, NBA 75th anniversary that kicked off with the opening match between the Bucks and the Nets, but also it was ring night for Milwaukee. It was the Lakers versus the Warriors. Russell Westbrook in L.A. had that look. I'm, I don't know if I want to talk about it. Uh, but we also got, you know, news. I got to talk about the NBA 75th anniversary team. Who made the cut? The first 25, we got to drop that. I got to put my predictions out there right now, get ahead of it, because, you know, NBA season already started, and uh, we got to make it known here on Round Ball Ramble. So, we got a little bit of a show here for y'all today. Uh, without further ado, let's get to it. And we're going to start with the NBA 75th anniversary team. NBA's dropping out 25 players apiece from last night through Thursday. The next 50 names we release today and then tomorrow. Uh, this is just to kick off the 75th season existence. And so now, the league is putting together the 75 greatest players in league history. A panel of voters assembled to build the list, which will be entirely distinct from the top 50 that the league put out for its 50th anniversary way back in 1996 when I was less than two years old. I'll just say that. The players will not be ranked, but the NBA officially released the first 25 names yesterday. And here are the players that made the cut. We got the OGs. We got Bill Russell. We got Oscar Robertson. Got Hal Greer, Bob Pettit, Elvin Hayes. You also have Dirk Nowitzki, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Jerry Lucas, Willis Reed, Nate Archibald, Bob Cousy, Dave Cowens, James Harden, Hakeem Olajuwon, Kevin McHale, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, George Mikan, John Stockton, Steve Nash, Charles Barkley, Julius Irving, George Gervin, Moses Malone, and David Robinson. And this is really cool because some of these selections, of course, are our modern counterparts. If we're looking at uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, or Kevin Durant, or James Harden, they hadn't even reached the NBA when they named their top 50 players back in 1996. So this really means a lot to them. It is really kind of cool to see um, here now as a, a person, as uh, myself, who is a historian of the game, who loves you know paying homage to those who played before uh, the game that we have now, those who built the game to where we have it, where we can really enjoy, you know, the step back 35 footers. But you got to start with around the basket. Got to start, you know, going to the hook shot. It evolved. And to be able to shed light to the history of this sport, this great, rich history, is really a treat for me. I'm really excited. And with those 25 names down, of course, 50 left to go. The next 25 will drop today. Uh, the league has a number of celebrations planned for it. So that's, that's going to be cool to see what they do uh, throughout the season. But players like Nowitzki, um, Pettit, Robertson, Magic Johnson, and Clyde Drexler will serve as ambassadors for uh, the Diamond Anniversary. So this will be fun. Uh, the players selected on Tuesday basically run the entire gamut of NBA history. Remember, uh, Giannis came out uh, into the NBA in 2013. Bob Pettit debuted in 1954. That's almost 60 years difference. You know, it's crazy. Bill Russell has 11 championship rings. Harden's still working to get him. I just can't wait till they announce Russell Westbrook, but we'll talk about Westbrook later because, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, we got something to talk about with Russell Westbrook later. But, the ring ceremony, going to that was neat. I think it was such a wholesome event. You know, all the guys getting their ring with the exception of P.J. Tucker, who's in Miami. He would get that when they visit Milwaukee. But to see Giannis get his ring and Giannis look over and smile, to see Giannis go and get it and, you know, hug um, 
their um, retired uh, uh, announcer, who's their PA announcer for the special event. It was just really fun. It was a really fun, wholesome time to see these Bucks that worked extremely hard uh, go in there and and get the fruits of their labor. And, and as I was watching this, I was like, you know what? This is nice. Like, I'm really enjoying this in the moment. Like, this is just such a, such a sweet event. But are the Milwaukee Bucks going to come out with championship hangover against a Brooklyn Nets team that is fiery, that is hungry, um, geared up to go, you know, yes, missing Kyrie Irving, but led by Kevin Durant and James Harden with this retooled deep bench, like, they could come out kind of sluggish, the Nets hit them in the mouth, Milwaukee kind of slow to respond, and then Brooklyn run away with it. Well, that's not what happened at all in the slightest. It wasn't even close. It felt like the Nets had won the championship because they were the ones that came out slow at the gate, didn't really have the energy overall, and the Bucks just whoa, whole, just opened up a whole can of that whoop butt. We're going to say whoop butt for this one. Mostly family friendly, but they, they just opened up a whole can of it. They just, whoo, it was crazy. Like Popeyes and spinach. Popeyes spinach. That's what it was. Just bust, just mess it up. I'm, I'm going to stop going analogies here. 127 to 104, they beat down Brooklyn, sent them back. Just a complete, utter mess. Giannis led the Bucks all the way, finishing with 32 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. He wasn't alone. Chris Middleton had 20 more points along with 9 rebounds. Grayson Allen, the newcomer from uh, Memphis, added 10 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds, knocked down 3 three-pointers. Uh, and yeah, they, they just totally controlled the game from beginning to end. Uh, for Brooklyn, Durant and Harden paced the Nets. Uh, both of those guys combined for 52 points, 19 rebounds, and 12 assists. But the Bucks just... The, the Bucks had minimal rust. They just came out from the get. They were gobbling up rebounds. Uh, the net started, of course, with Harden at, at the point, which basically ran when Irving was even in the game uh, with the Nets. Irving played more of a two-guard role while Harden took over point guard responsibility. So all they did was roll Harden at, at the one alongside Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, um, uh, Blake Griffin, and Nicholas Claxton. And that was kind of their quote-unquote big lineup. But against the Bucks and the way they had it between Drew Holiday, uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, uh, Brooke Lopez, it, it was just it was just a mess. And Grayson Allen, it was it was the Nets couldn't grab a board. Like second chance points, the Bucks led the way. Rebounds, the Bucks led the way. Uh, literally all the Nets could generate outside of some threes for Joe Harris were points by James Harden and by Kevin Durant, of course, and rebounding wasn't a factor for them. Nick Claxton did get going pretty early. Nick Claxton played well. Uh, There's only a second start in his NBA career, and I was impressed with the young guy, the way he was able to kind of find his role in the offense, constantly slipping to the basket, being hooked up for lobs consistently from Harden as he penetrated the lane. Like, that was neat to see. And, and for Claxton's part, he finished the game shooting 6-9 from the field, had 12 points to go along with 7 boards, but he was just overmatched. Uh, around the basket, like, those seven boards are great, but, I mean, again, Middleton had nine, Giannis had 14, Brook Lopez had five, and we know he's not a great rebounder, like, it was just a lot of rebounds up for the taking, and Milwaukee walked away with quite a bit of those, uh, Joe Harris only three nine from the field, uh, one guy who was hot for Brooklyn, Patty Mills, Patty Mills came out just like it was FIBA Patty all over again. 7 of 11 from the field, 7 of 7 from 3, 2 rebounds, 2 assists. He was this is a constant jolt of energy. He was also the only Brooklyn Net off the bench to score a basket. He tied the Nets record for most triples made in the game off the bench. He also matched the NBA record for three-pointers made in a player's debut with his new team. Uh, so this, it was kind of cool to see. Again, Patty's been doing it. He actually was a lot more aggressive offensively starting the season off the previous year with the Spurs before he kind of slowed down due to some injury and I think just having such a heavy workload. But he can average, I think, between 11 and 13 points a game. And if he's given the green light aggressive like this, Patty Mills is a very efficient shooter, can fill it up in a hurry, and can definitely open up some space for a guy like Durant or Harden or just overall bench units that need that spacing. So, Definitely excited to see uh, what Mills can bring to the table, especially if Irving's going to be out for an extended time, as it appears that he will be. Uh, like I said, though, he was the only net to really score off the bench because Brooklyn's depth was just, uh, where was it? I didn't see it at all. Uh, it was like my love life, non-existent. I know, self-deprecating joke, but I had to. Uh, Brooklyn's Brooklyn's bench was, was trash. Uh, Paul Millsap and, and LaMarcus Aldridge did not bring much. It was kind of bad how poorly they played. Um, Millsap played five minutes, didn't take a single shot. Aldridge took 
two shots, missed both, and went one for four at the foul line. Now, mind you, Aldridge, let's be real, hasn't played in a year, okay? Like, we get it. You were retired. He came out of retirement. So, some rust is to be expected, but he didn't look anywhere close to the LaMarcus Aldridge that played even heavier minutes with San Antonio, um, as limited as those minutes were, who averaged 13 points in his last full season. He wasn't getting anything close to that this game. And, I, again, you don't want to expect that, but you do want to see some semblance of competency off the bench. Uh, Bruce Brown was the odd man out for Brooklyn that entire time. Steve Nash did say that he would tinker with the rotation, try to see what um, what lineups worked in a rotation that could possibly go as deep as 10 deep. But I'm surprised Bruce Brown didn't even get a shot. He got three minutes and 45 seconds, all of it when it was pretty much decided. Uh, was kind of interesting to see how that works out, and definitely intrigued by how Steve Nash will kind of balance some of these minutes for some of these guys off the bench, because you do have to make sure that you have... Uh, I don't know, some staggering, you don't want to give, you know, Durant and Harden just the open road to run themselves into the ground, but when you look up, you know, Javon Carter, O for everything, James Johnson, same thing, LaMarcus Aldridge, same, Paul Millsap didn't do anything, then they played Cam Thomas only three minutes, again, got in the, at the end with Bruce Brown when it didn't matter, like, that's not a whole lot of production there to be had, you know, only thing I can think of right now is pouring it over to Cam Thomas and saying just, Green light, bro. Do what you got to do. And then, of course, you know, looking for LaMarcus Aldridge and Paul Millsap in spots to bring that offense. But just to have them out there and say, okay, you know, we need some help there. No, it didn't happen, especially when Blake Griffin in 22 minutes could only muster up six points, five boards on two of five shooting. The, the pie of, of the shot chart for the Nets was simple. 25 points, 25 shot attempts for Durant. He took the biggest piece. Right behind him, James Harden, 16. Then you had a big Patty Mills night, 11. 9 for Joe Harris, 9 for Nick Claxton, 5 for Blake Griffin, and that's it. So, in terms of the shot-taking pecking order, you kind of know it was Durant and Harden. But seeing the other guys fill in, it does feel like it'll be more of a next-man-up mentality. Although, you can expect Joe Harris to usually be in that area. He is their, you know, one of their better shooters, and there are um, plays out there for him to go and find said shot. So, I don't know. I'm going to be curious to look at who's that guy outside of Harden and Durant consistently i don't think it could be harris of course it can't be claxton at least not right now is it patty mills and is that okay will he wear down like he did last year i don't know there's a lot of questions with brooklyn and i was shocked by that because i was not expecting to have that many questions concerning them uh, especially when compared to the milwaukee bucks and how they are with their depth uh you know where they last against a brooklyn team that when fully healthy is quite a monster uh you know those are the questions i had another question i had is concerning uh one drew holiday who played decently when he was in unfortunately he did go down with a heel contusion and missed uh the second half of the game he played 17 minutes uh had 12 points one rebound one assist five of seven from the field but that heel injury that he did have ruled him out for the rest of the game uh when he went down in the first half and so the mri came back clean that's what coach mike budenholzer told reporters uh but he seemed to have suffered that drive um, suffered the injury on a drive to the basket in the second quarter, and he was hot. He came out like I said, five on se- five or seven shooting in eighteen minutes. That's blazing, bro. But um, yeah, it, it, we'll see how it goes. Um, Milwaukee was plus seventeen with Holiday on the floor. Uh, without Holiday, veteran point guard George Hill got some action, and it was an, it was he he was a steady hand. George Hill doing what George Hill does. George Hill doing what George Hill does. Spoke way too fast. Fourteen year vet, you know, on the stat sheet again. Didn't look. Like it was super effective, uh, five points, uh, five, no, my fault, yeah, one point, five rebounds, three assists, but just a little bit of being a balancer for that unit, kind of getting them in their offense was important. Didn't look totally cooked like he did in Philadelphia. So, um, that'll be interesting to kind of see where both these teams go from here. We got a whole lot of basketball action to look forward to tomorrow, but I can't even do that without going into my Lakers against the Warriors. And... I almost don't want to do this, but I just have to do this. Uh, Lakers went down 114 to 121. Uh, Steph Curry had a triple double for Golden State. First triple double he's had since 2016. Jordan Poole came out of nowhere with 20 points, but he didn't really come out of nowhere. I, I don't want to take that narrative. I think he came out of nowhere because I'm not used to having to say Jordan Poole along the stat line with the other Warriors outside of that 120-20 year, you know? I'm not used to just saying it yet, but that doesn't mean. Make no mistake, that doesn't mean that Poole has not been just a revelation this preseason and someone who's going to fill it up for the Warriors over the year. Make no mistake about it. He's going to be someone I'm going to say a whole lot about uh, for the next six to eight months. Like, 
No joke. I totally see that. But, yeah, the Warriors, man, they came. They played their style of ball. They weren't able to really convert a lot of shots early. They made just enough to hang around. But the Lakers pretty much had control, it felt like, uh, for the most of the first three quarters. Every time the Warriors tried to climb back in, the Lakers sort of restored order. A lot of that largely on the back of one LeBron James. LeBron James came in fine in midseason form, very much like Giannis did for the Bucks. Uh, he finished the game with 34 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists, shooting 45% from 3, 13-23 overall, and he wasn't alone. Anthony Davis right behind him, 33 points on 15-26 shooting to go along with 11 rebounds and 2 assists. Those guys were monsters and really paced the Lakers' attack. But the Warriors are coming. They just kept coming, uh, and the Lakers' defense, which wasn't great from the jump, I will say, there was cracks all up and down that roster, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, it, it finally it finally wore down. That that war of attrition finally took its hold on Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, and there's more. For one thing, you know, as I mentioned, two of the Lakers' three stars, right? The three-headed monster, that didn't happen. What Russell Westbrook, Maybe it was opening day jitters, you know, of course, his first game, LA kid back with the Lakers, not back, but first game with the Lakers in front of the crowd, like, I'm sure it meant a lot for him, I'm sure you come out jacked up to go, and then you're probably nervous, making mistakes, turnovers, I was not with that, I told my friend before, what, so yesterday morning, I told my friend before we came on, before I came on that, by the time I recorded this podcast, Russell Westbrook will finish with a sideline of 15 points, nine assists, seven rebounds, shooting better than 56% from the floor. In retrospect, I don't know what I was thinking, yo. I, where was my brain? I do not know. I have no clue. Because I can squint my eyes all I want, but there ain't no 15, 9, and 7 coming out of a stat line that ultimately ended up being eight points, five rebounds, four assists on 4-13 shooting, over four from three. That's 30% stat line, yo. 30% from the field. That's a 56 I watch all the basketball games. I look like a dummy, but um, I digress. I digress. Westbrook just did not have a good game. Um, at his best, you know that he's going to bring the energy. He is just a battering ram crossed with a lightning bolt in transition that's going to generate big plays in transition and punish rim runners and uh, rim protectors and, 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 and force-feed rim runners and just be that type of guy. The problem is that we did not see any of that with Westbrook in L.A. yesterday. He was very passive. Uh he would kind of give the ball over and kind of pace over to the sideline. It didn't help that Frank Vogel played him with Rajon Rondo, which I have no idea why that happened. Rajon Rondo being just a slightly better shooter than um, Russell Westbrook and a much more reluctant one by comparison. Uh, it just wasn't there. There wasn't a lot of action, I felt, that freed Westbrook up to kind of give LeBron or AD some space. He just kind of trot over to the corner, maybe cleared out once and watched the opposite corner. Even then, they can kind of creep in because, again, nobody expects Russell's uh, outside shooting, and they had no reason to fear that last night as he went over four from three. And mind you, these threes are open. I'm glad he's taking them, yada, yada, yada. But come on. The narrative still applies. All right? It, it, was, it was rough. He just didn't put himself in, in, a, in a good position, I think, for him to be most effective and for the Lakers to then benefit from him being just that. It just, he didn't have that. He wasn't really uh, able to finish around the basket. He got there six times and missed half of those attempts. Uh, you know, is it some of the athleticism that he has kind of waning a little bit? I don't think so. I think it was a little bit of just not being on his game, but it's still very, very troubling. Add to the fact that his defense wasn't great either, and, and this just wasn't right. This wasn't right for Westbrook. I was talking to Lakers fans throughout the game. Uh, my friend Josh and I went back and forth, and we're just like, wow, like, I am one of the biggest Westbrook supporters out there. Like, I'm as close to being totally subjective on his side as one can be while still trying to maintain that objectivity but let me tell you this game was a dumpster fire for Russell Westbrook uh just the likes of which I haven't seen since I tried to make uh a flambéed banana pudding it did not go well y'all look it up actually I don't even know if it was a recipe I thought it was and that should tell you everything you need to know about that experiment hopefully the same results cannot be said for the experiment of Russell Westbrook but going back to Golden State, Steph Curry did not shoot well uh, by his standards, by anyone's standards, really. This was a 5 or 21 performance, 2 or 8 from 3. But he did finish with a triple double. Like I said, messing around, got that. 21 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Joined by Jordan Poole, 20 points on efficient shooting, even though he did have a little bit of um, an ankle injury toward the back half of the game. He had two rebounds and three assists to go with that. Kevon Looney, 
in 15 minutes at 7 points and 4 boards. Andrew Wiggins had 12.7 boards, got some real hustle plays, knocked down a couple of threes. Real solid game for Andrew Wiggins. This is the role that he was meant to be in. Like, the number one overall pick, go-to guy, no, miss all that. But this right here, pick your spots, play 25 to 27 minutes a game, you know, play good defense, knock down some shots, rebound the ball. This is what you expect. This is what he gave you. Draymond Green gave a Draymond Green game, which is very close to a Russell Westbrook game, but with actual uh, less of a, a negative plus minus. Six points, eight rebounds, and six assists for Draymond, who was two of five from the field, didn't shoot a three. The real hero of this story for me and for a lot of people on NBA Twitter was Nemanja Bielitsa. Yes, Nemanja Bielitsa, uh, playmaking, kind of shooting big forward who played a lot with Sacramento, uh, had a cup of coffee in Miami, uh, and now finds himself in Golden State. Finished six to seven from the field, knocked down the only three he took, had 11 boards, four assists, 15 points overall. You love the fact that he's being kind of free to play the game that I guess he wants to play over in Golden State where he handles the ball some. He kind of gets guys in their offense. Now, I'm sure that, you know, uh, other guys um, on the hoop ball community or Kings fans can say, hey, you know, he had an opportunity. He just didn't really make the most of it. I, I can't push back on that. I really wasn't paying a lot, whole lot of attention to Sacramento Kings basketball back then. But seeing how he does like to have the ball in his hands, does like um, – does like being a playmaker, values that a little bit in addition to his shooting, uh, of course, and his rebounding. This was a, a major boost for the Warriors and, and one who really helped them out. Speaking of someone who helped them out, Andre Godala, old vet. I thought he was going to come in and really just barely play, you know, get a couple minutes here and there. Uh, not full-blown Giannis Haslam yet, but like somewhere close to it. But no, I was off as off can be. 12 points, one rebound. Um, two assists, which is okay, but again, it's really just the shooting. Four of seven from the field, two of five from three. He was really able to pace the second unit's offense, get them into their defensive sets in an orderly fashion. Uh, just having that veteran savvy while also showing that, hey, yo, I can still get down and get buckets. I can still get down and play good defense. That was great to see. Uh, for the Lakers, aside from AD and LeBron, uh, DeAndre Jordan played 12 minutes of, I don't know why, fence of two points and two boards. Kent Bazemore, who his shooting stats were rough, but I love the energy he brought to the table. I love the way he was chasing after, you know, Steph Curry for most of the game, Jordan Poole once in a while. Uh, I can overlook eight points on three and nine shooting with two rebounds, and that's all, folks, when you get a block and you're staying active as well. And that's something that Kent Bazemore did. I definitely see him endearing himself to this crowd um, and being a fan favorite just like he was back in 2014. Rajon Rondo, 20 minutes, uh, 3 points, 5 assists. Carmelo Anthony, the other guy I thought played really well in terms of filling it up. Eh, I was highly off. Thinking about what I saw in the game, looking at the stat sheet, doesn't quite match up. 9 points on 3 and 9 shooting, uh, 4 rebounds and 2 assists as well. Malik Monk, 6 points, 3 boards, 1 assist, 2 threes. I thought he played decently. I get the defense was rough, but I mean, for the most part, I like what he brought to the table from an offensive standpoint. Someone who you know is going to knock down shots. Speaking of someone who actually came over, 15th man, 15th man, get over here. Avery Bradley was cut from the Golden State Warriors, what, just over the last two days? Same Avery Bradley, picked up by the Lakers, put in a starting lineup against the Golden State Warriors, played just under nine minutes, knocked down two big threes, missed one that could have made a little dangerous close for the Lakers down the stretch, but played about as best defense as you can on these guys, worked his butt off, and that's all you can hope for. So um, he's on non-guaranteed deal, Avery Bradley is with L.A., uh, while, you know, they do kind of monitor the free agent market, see what else pops up. Uh, yeah, Avery's just working on trying to bust his butt and make the most of the opportunity, see if he can find himself a spot on this team moving forward, see if he can prove to be that 15th guy long term. So, we'll see. Lakers, all in all, I'm not taking away too much from this. Uh, my friend and guest on this show, Ron Gutterman, said it best on opening night uh, for the championship year that the Lakers had, not only... Did Troy Daniels play 17 minutes, but Jerry Dudley played almost the entire fourth quarter. He said, and I concur, I promise this game means nothing long term. And I absolutely agree. Again, follow Ron on Twitter at RonGutterman24. But um, yeah, it was just not a great game. It was just, it was a problem. Lakers of Westbrook on the floor, minus 21. Lakers of Westbrook on the bench, plus 13. Uh, this was midway, like just a little bit after the midway point of the game. It was rough. It, it was rough. I, I don't know what else to say about it, but um, all you can do is hope that the Lakers will make a curve about it um, and, and, and get themselves up out of this slump. To be fair, and everyone preach patience, uh, Russell Westbrook wasn't in the most talkative mood, uh, 
But both Anthony Davis and LeBron James said, hey, we just want Russell to be Russell. You just need to relax a little bit. It'll be fine. We knew this was going to happen in a day. And that is the type of mindset you want to keep uh, concerning this because it didn't happen in a day, you know? This 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 team, this, this odd fit, it, it, it is what it is, and it's going to take a, a lot of trial by fire to get it to work, to get it to coexist in a way that is beneficial for all involved on this team. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, opening night was not the great solve that Lakers were hoping to uh, show their fans and go, see, we knew this would work. We didn't see it. Hopefully, we will see it soon. All right, so it is time to get into prediction time. I... I've been trying to kind of pour over these. I looked at uh, just just predictions for the playoff teams for the West, playoff teams for the East, top five progression candidates, top five regression candidates, uh, you know, who's going to be MVP, rookie of the year, sixth man of the year, all of that. And then we're going to close with the round ball ramble all-star team. So without further ado, I'm going to start with the West. I have Jazz number one, Suns number two. I think continuity matters overall in this Western Conference. Both those teams were the best last year because they said healthy and they had continuity. And one thing that we can be promised going into the season is the continuity part. So we'll put them there. Lakers are third. Love the talent. You give me Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, AD anytime I say we win. But it is going to take an adjustment period to get them all to work together, at least in a way that is conducive to successful long-term winning. In the meantime, between time, you got a lot of injuries already that you're suffering, that you have to weather the storm through as well, and then work the kinks out on your defense. Make sure the offense is up to speed. There are a few things to get done uh, for the Lakers to try to climb over the Suns or Jazz, in my opinion. Right behind them are the Denver Nuggets. Love what they did this offseason. Love the J&J backcourt with Jeff and Jamichael. That is dope. At the same time, do want to see how they withstand now, having known for a while that they're not going to have Jamal Murray very much uh, for most of the season. So something I'm very intrigued to see as to what happens. Warriors fall right behind them, although I'm willing to vault them ahead. Uh, they go as far as Steph Curry goes long term, but I do like some of the other pieces there. Uh, they are veterans. They've been with Steph Curry for a number of years, and the new pieces that are in, you know, seem like they just complement that. We'll see, you know, how uh, uh, Moses Moody continues to thrive or continues to to play in the NBA. Definitely love what I saw from him. Uh, when Jonathan Kaminga is healthy, what happens there? James Wiseman's still on their roster as well. There's a lot of talent to be had on his Golden State Warriors roster, so it'll be important to kind of see where they go and how they kind of make this all blend together. Right on the Warriors have the Mavericks. Love Luka Doncic. He is the guy. Luka the Don. Don't like the nickname really, but whatever. Um, at the same time, I do worry because... I don't see a lot of guys to relieve the pressure off of Luka as the main offensive initiator. Yes, all the chemistry across Christoph Porzingis is amazing. Have no fear. I totally agree with you. But at the same time, you're looking at Jalen Brunson, who had a very serviceable last year. But that's it. You have a lot of guys who could make shots. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. came off a career year as well. Sterling Brown is there. Reggie Bullock being the most notable addition to knock down threes. But I just feel like all of this workload will eventually wear itself on Luca, and I'm not sure that you have enough from Jalen Brunson to kind of consistently bring that backup playmaking um, offensive initiation. So we'll see kind of where that goes. Uh, after that, I have the Blazers. I don't know. I just thought the Blazers are good for like one significant injury uh, a year. And so I'm just putting them in. I respect that. When it happens, we won't be surprised. Uh, after that, I have the Clippers. Losing Kawhi is kind of big. Have a nice, tough roster. But is it uh, something that's going to last long term? I don't know. After that, the the Timberwolves, who I'm very high on, very high on. Love Anthony Edwards. Think that when you get a Ross a lineup uh, offensively that you want that's going to be potent between D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, um, forgetting the name now, Anthony Edwards. Uh, you know, having Carl Anthony Towns and just getting any old forward, you're going to be fine. You can even side everyone up a position and put Beverly over at the two. It, it's something to be said for that for sure. The East was a lot clearer for me, to be honest with you. I'm actually glad I have it the way I did. I have Bucks number one. I think they just have continuity. Continuity matters. And the Nets, when they get a chance, are going to rest um, KD and James Harden. They want them healthy for the playoffs. That means you're going to miss them in some regular season. You don't have a Kyrie Irving who can pull out some of those wins out your hat. So you have to hope that the Nets as a collective can do so. Maybe they can. I'm thinking they won't. And so that's why I have them at top. Brooklyn's right behind them, right on their heels, very, very close. Love the way they revamped the roster. Um, around the guys that they know are going to lead them, hopefully, to the promised land. Number three, the Miami Heat. Love the way the Heat 
are assembled. Definitely going to be just this grimy, grimy team to watch. But they're going to get after on the defensive end. You know they have the Miami culture, and I think they'll have just enough offense eked out with the addition of Kyle Lowry to make it um, manageable for the Heat to win quite a few of their games. And by that, I mean, like, we're talking, like, high 40s, low to mid-50s. Hawks. Trey Young. Need I say more? Trey Young and the gang are back. Another year smarter. Kind of hardened from the experience of making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, being so close yet so far. I think that they're definitely going to come with a chip on their shoulder for sure. The Bulls are right behind them. They fall to at number six. Definitely like the way that this team is constructed. We will see how it fits with Alonzo, DeMar DeRozan, um, and, and Zach Levine combo. But I think they will make it work. I think their games are distinct enough and separate enough. And all three can make shots, even if it is more of a mid-range uh, a maestro for someone like DeRozan. So definitely excited to see their offense. Right beneath them have the Celtics 76ers. I know we're getting down toward the end of the East. 76ers because we don't know what Ben Simmons are going to get if he plays. We don't know what we're going to get if Ben Simmons doesn't play. We don't know what the 76ers are getting in a return package. Is it a Malik Beasley, Jade McDaniels couple of picks? Is it a Potpourri Platter from the Sacramento Kings, excluding their three guards? Like, we don't know what return the 76ers are going to get and how that will match up with Joel Embiid and the rest of that 76ers team. So there is a lot there to wonder about. And until then, I think think questioning them is something worth doing because we're not sure i mean bad enough they're they're kind of de facto backup point guard right now shane milton is out for for a good stretch of time right now or at least the first couple of weeks so no idea no idea what the sentences are definitely i think reason to question them and then i have the knicks and mind you i have the knicks here only because i looked at them compared to the 76ers the celtics the bulls the hawks i just couldn't find where i leapfrogged them the Knicks are going to be great. Their defense is going to be solid. Adding um, Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, alongside you know some of the guys they've retained, will give them a jolt of energy in the right direction. Absolutely. There's no argument here for me there. But are they better than the teams above them? I don't think so. And that's where it kind of stands. I think they'll be a very, very solid team. But unless one team gets really injured or massively underperforms expectations, I think we're going to find the Knicks toward the back half of the East. And, and maybe it's a hot take. I don't know. I'm going to name New Yorker. You think I would, you know, really be running this, but that's why I feel about it. So, in the future, we will be talking about some of the possible playing teams, um, where they could fit. The prediction time, I basically already announced my East-West, so that's, that's locked in. One more time. I have the Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Nuggets, Warriors, Mavs, Blazers. And then um, I have the Clippers rounding it out. And then for the East, I have the Bucks, the Nets, the Heat, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Celtics, 76ers, and the Knicks. And I almost put the Wolves in there, but I thought, nope, not going to do that. So really tough, but very interesting um, slate of teams that I have here ranked up for the playoffs. We'll see how they all come together. Top five progression candidates. These are the guys I think are just going to get better, whether it's because of role, internal development, a little mix of both, what have you. So I have number five, Malik Monk. Looking at Monk, a guy who shot 40% from three, playing Lakers system that needs desperately an injection of youth, that desperately needs some solid three-point shooting. I think Malik Monk can bring both easily, and I think the Lakers will turn to that more and more down the stretch. So he's my number five. Number four, DeAnthony Melton. Love that kid's game. The way he's played in Memphis has been great. I think now, with the departure of Grayson Allen, it's really him and Desmond Bain. I think he'll grow a little bit more to create offense off the dribble. Um, His shooting has already gotten a lot better. His defense is already solid. I think he is in for a big year with the Memphis Grizzlies. Number three, Kevin Porter Jr. Came over to Houston last season. Really was the story of the Houston um, season after the James Harden debacle and that horrible, horrible losing streak, one of several. Uh, the way he was able to come in, get his own shot immediately, kind of work out the finer tenets of being a point guard in this league, dropping, what, 50-something points on the best defense last year with the Milwaukee Bucks for the win. Kevin Porter Jr. is legit. I think he's going to grow immensely playing alongside Jalen Green under Steven Silas's direction for a full year. Um that Silas is actually prepared for. So I do think that stands for a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is going to definitely surprise some people, move up a couple of rungs where they have him listed. Number two, Jordan Poole. 
We already mentioned this today, but Jordan Poole went off against the Lakers. Jordan Poole could fill up in a hurry. He got poise. He could shoot. Get to the rim. Nice guard. Just nice. Just nice. And this is a breakout year for him, especially getting the minutes in place of Klay Thompson while he's still out. Uh, it looks like with him around, you know, maybe the Warriors will consistently win the non-Steph Curry minutes, which they were not able to do for, what, most of the last two seasons. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how Jordan Poole continues to grow here. But the dude is a walking bucket, an instant microwave, faster than ramen. That's how quick it is to heat up Jordan Poole. The number one, we got Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards, man, the muscle mass that he's added to his frame, just how much stronger he is so far. Yep, we get it was preseason, but how much more engaged he was, um, you know, with chase down blocks, with being in front of his man, uh, taking smarter shots, finishing good around the basket, still able to shoot the three. Like, he is a stud. He will easily be the Timberwolves' best player in, I want to say, two years. Like, that's, that doesn't mean there's not room for Cat. That doesn't mean there's not room for D'Lo. I'm not trying to say that. But, like, Anthony Edwards is a super-duper star. And there is a difference. Top five regression candidates. These are folks who are, for whatever reason, going to go down from the previous year's performance. And that doesn't necessarily mean in a huge, horrible, bad way. It just means they're not going to reach the high stage of the year before. Number five, the Knicks. Uh... There's a few. There's Julius Randle, Kimball Walker, Derrick Rose. A lot of those guys, I feel like Derrick Rose, you know, 33. They still have it in the tank consistently? I don't know. I, I, I hope so. Uh, he had it last year, and he's been that guy so far in this, like, second half of his career, this, like, renaissance resurgence uh, quarter of his career. But another year older for a guy who mostly relies on athleticism, that is cause for concern. I don't think there's anything crazy to say about that. So that's why he's number there uh, alongside... Kemba Walker, who, 31-year-old guard, bad knees. That's where it's at. If he's able to stay healthy and keep those things um, nurtured and able to go, um, more likely for the big matchups and those oh-so-important, you know, April and May clashes. But in the meantime, between time, we saw him in Boston last year. He was dealing with a lot of pain. I definitely think he's going to go down. Um, he's not. He's entrenched as a starter, but it, like I said, I think and I hope the Knicks are, are more mindful of his condition and being sure to look out for him in his best interest, even if that does mean sitting a few more games than he wanted to, sitting a few extra minutes than he wanted to, but all that time off the court, guess what? You're not really scoring, so that's why I have him there. Uh, Julius Randle, I mean, we'll see. Julius Randle came out of nowhere with these progressions with his game. It's very possible that he can continue to build on that. I, I don't doubt that at all. At the same time, do I think it's very likely, again, with these new guys in, Evan Fournier as well all of a sudden have to adjust to, you know, sharing the ball more and not having everything run through you like you did have in regular season and the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know. I just think Julius Reynolds' efficiency is going to go down. I think his stat line is going to be similar. The dude is, what, 26 going 27 or 27? Like, he's still uh, going to be in his prime. I just don't know if he's rising those numbers and i don't think that he will number four for me is russell westbrook he's not getting close to a triple double i hope that he shoots better from three in fact my hot take for the week for the year is that russell westbrook will shoot better just under 36 percent from three this is a guy who's a career 29 percent three-point shooter so i this is a hot 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 take but that's what i'm taking but i don't think he's gonna get anything close to a triple double um i think he's gonna get somewhere close to like 25 points, uh, 9 assists, 6 rebounds. I feel like he's getting anywhere around those rebounds when you have a team that's LeBron and Anthony Davis. The Lakers season is kaput. Like, it's not working out the way they want it to work out. Whether that's because one of the two guys is injured or whether they somehow evenly distribute 30 rebounds a night across three guys, I just don't think that Russell hunting a triple-double on this team is beneficial for the Lakers' success. And that is why I'm not a big proponent of it. Uh, I also don't think he'll reach it. Like, again, you have, Lakers are the most traditional lineup out there half the time. You have AD of LeBron and you have a traditional center. Like, no, I think Russell Westbrook's going to go down like four or five rebounds a game. And it's not going to be about his aging or lack of athleticism, just playing with a lot of bigger guys who are also looking to secure the rebound and not necessarily boxing out for Russ to soar in and grab the board. I don't think that's that the um, Lakers' priority. I think their priority is trying to win a championship. Triple-doubles be doggone. So, 
that's the take I have for aggression for Russell Westbrook. Let's hope it's not like loss of athleticism again as he turns 32. Let's hope that it's not anything additional in terms of, you know, shot just not being able to be converted, whether it's from mid-range or other places. Like, this is just a regression due to a new team and finding its place. I'm not saying a, a player regression because I'm not sure if Russ of any one of those lists can afford that and still be a highly impactful player. Number three is DeAndre Aiden. Um, I'm going to talk about this on the show um, here with my friend Gary Bouguet, um tomorrow. But, bottom line, you should have paid the man. DeAndre Ayton was looking for an extension. The Suns gave everyone else an extension. Landry Shammy got an extension. Hasn't played a game yet with Phoenix. And you couldn't give the big man a, a little a little pickup? Couldn't give him nothing? Show him a little bit of love? I don't know. Representation says Aiton is upset, understandably so in my opinion, for someone who sacrificed minutes and sacrificed points and everything uh, to help the team get success. They did get success, but you can't reward DeAndre Aiton and give him the bag. Now, I think it's going to come out a little bit not engaged. I think that's a normal human reaction. I don't think I'm singling out DeAndre Aiton for that at all, but I do think there's going to be some regression there because it's like, wow, this is what I get? This is how you treat me? I don't know. I, maybe it's wild, but Aiton's a new entry in my list, and I think this is a solid place to put him because he might not fall off that much. He might come out stronger than ever, you know, trying to prove, hey, I'm worth that money, and if you won't give it to me, somebody out there will. But someone's going to give him that anyway. But anyway, I digress. Number two, Chris Paul. Chris Paul's already kind of slipping ever so slightly. He is still very, 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 very good. I just don't know when the wheels are going to fall off for a guy who's shown at least some um, examples of decline over the last couple of years here or there. Even if he's so much better and more composed than others, that he's able to somewhat mitigate those. I still think it's an issue. I still think we might see some of that now. It might just be because guys like Devin Booker, guys like Mikel Bridges, step up. You know, a dominant the ball more, uh, Chris Paul has a lower usage and, and stuff like that. That might be the case, but I think that Chris Paul might be the example where, no, he's just not the same guy that he once was. Things are just a little harder now, and yes, he will get his numbers, but they will not look the same as last season's. That's my question. That's my curiosity um, on display there in terms of where Chris Paul will regress. If he does, how will that happen? I am of the opinion that he will. Definitely want to hear your guys' thoughts on that, though. And then number one, Steph Curry. Now, this is kind of a, a joke, hot take type deal. I just don't think Steph Curry is going to average the numbers he did last season for Golden State. I just don't. Whether that's because he can no longer manufacture those, whether that's because you have uh, Jordan Poole and, and, and offensive weapons, you know, you still have um, Andrew Wiggins, Otto Porter, Nemanja Bielitsa, um, you know, guys like that who can also put them on the basket and release some pressure off them. That could be the case as well. Either way, I don't see Steph Curry just totally going to town like he did last season. It's possible. It's very much possible. I could be wrong, and I'm willing to accept that. But that's just the regression I see in him. Uh, I think he's still going to be somewhere around the same. Just a little bit on the lower end of that. But this is my take. All right. Last but not least, the Round Ball Ramble All-Star Team. These are guys that play the way I like. They're going to be All-Stars in my head. I am already confident of that. I, I listen, I love a good crisp pass as much as anybody. Great defensive possessions, great. Seeing the ball whooped around the floor, I mean, listen, that sweet, sweet music you get from that, I, I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, I like people who put the ball in the basket. That is my jam all the way. Shake and bake, make some moves, put the ball in the basket early and often, you have a fan in me. And that's why the Corbin Ramble Ramble All-Star team is set. Number five, Brandon Ingram. Number four, Malik Monk. Number three, Kevin Porter Jr. Number two, the rookie Jalen Green. I'm going to love what he's going to do in Houston. I'm so pumped. Number one, Anthony Edwards. Yo, I have a shirt of him with a dunk of the year last year. I can't wait to add more to my collection with the many exploits that he goes and does this season. Those are my Corbin Roundball Ramble All-Star Team players, though. Plenty more to go to. I might go to Hindi. I don't know. Does it skew heavily offensive? Yes, of course it does. Is that a setback? No, it is not. <laughs> All right, more traditional here. Uh, MVP, I am torn between Luka Doncic and Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis is going to have a bounce-back season in a major way. Uh, 
just not playing up to expectations last year. If he can stay healthy, I think that by the level of play we're going to see from him, he is going to be an absolute monster. That is my prediction. But Luka Doncic, same thing. And if the Mavericks have a top four seed, it goes to Luka, I think. That's just my my kind of guesstimation there. Rookie of the year, Jalen Green, that's easy. I think the guy's going to go in a situation where he's already a proven NBA scorer on a team where he's going to get the green light to score. It's going to look good. He's going to have his big gains, and I think that's going to leave an impact in the minds of voters. It's already left one in mind, and it's a pure hypothetical. So that should tell you everything you need to know about why Jalen Green is sixth man of the year. Defense player of the year, I was so, so close to picking Bam Adebayo, but I decided to pick AD. Fits the narrative. Look, a resurgent Anthony Davis returns after a lackluster season, wins both MVP and Defense Player of the Year award, and trust me, he's going to get the chance to defend the rim, because a lot of the Lakers' perimeter defenders are non-existent, so definitely get a chance to showcase the defense um, for Anthony Davis, and I think that he will. I'm excited to see uh, this prediction come true. Why not? Why not? I know, I'm using Russell Westbrook now, it's late, I'm getting tired, but why not? Sixth man of the year, Malik Monk. I'm telling you, I'm really, really high on that kid. Where he fits with the Lakers. Think it is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, watch him just fill it up. Come in and come in her early. Come in often. You know, play some inspired defense. Give them the youth that they need. You know, breakaway dunk, whatever the case may be, and knock down three point shots consistently. I think it's possible. A uh, guy I had that was a runner-up was Jordan Poole. But then two things. One, I liked Malik Monk better. It's my Laker bias. I don't know. Two, Jordan Poole's going to be starting a chunk of the games. I think he'll be starting way too many games to be considered sixth man of the year. But he will be considered, for me, most improved. And that's why I have him. I have him number one for most improved. Because Poole came in the preseason and looked like a totally different animal. And that's saying a lot considering how solid he was last season. Uh, what we saw last night against, or what we saw tonight against, last night against the Lakers, pretty good, pretty good. He can keep that going, and I don't see why not. Yeah, I see the most improved uh, piece of hardware uh, in the pool household for certain. So those are my predictions between standings, regression candidates, progression candidates, my round ball, round ball, all-star team, rookie of the year, defense player of the year, six man of the year, MVP. Let's get it, y'all. Only one birthday today, but shout out to Eddie Jones, the swingman who played much of the 90s with the Los Angeles Lakers, a 14-year pro, three-time All-Star, led the league in steals in 1990-2000, the same year that he made the All-NBA team, three-time All-Defensive team, uh, 94-95 All-Rookie, played with the Lakers, the Heat, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Hornets, and his final season with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, just shy of a 1,000 games, around 954 to be exact, averaged 14 points, 4 rebounds, just under 3 assists per game, was a 37% 3-point shooter. Uh, the dude had a career high of 20 points per game in that 99-2000 season, averaging 20 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists with 2.7 steals per game. The guy that smoothed the game was nice in transition, could shoot the J, Definitely knocked down the three ball. I thought was a great pairing with Kobe um, in the Lakers back in the day, but did eventually get moved as Kobe started to ascend um, into the guy he would ultimately be. Betty Jones was no slouch. Definitely make sure to look him up. The guy had game. And, little fun fact, I did not know that he was the cousin of Tyrese Halliburton. Definitely, definitely interesting there. Tenth overall pick from the Los Angeles Lakers in the 1994 NBA draft. The 6'6 guard was also known as a nickname, as Steady Eddie. And you know what? That is exactly the nickname I like. He was remarkably steady for 10 of those 14 seasons. He averaged double figures, usually peaking between 14 and 17 points. Uh, the last two seasons of that, 12 points a game, 11 points a game, as he kind of went into more of a, um ancillary role. So definitely love the way that Eddie Jones able to play. Definitely make sure to check him out. Fun, fun guy to watch. And now, we go into what's happening tonight. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we have a slate of games for y'all. This is really the first day of the NBA season. I mean, yesterday was kind of like the initial, you know, it's the first day because you have the two, you know, big games. But like, no, the, the, real, the real buzz, it, the real buzz is, is today. So, all this Eastern time. So really, this will be like. 7 o'clock Eastern time, yep, 
We start with the Indiana Pacers versus the Charlotte Hornets. As well as the Bulls versus the Pistons. Cade Cunningham is not going to be playing with that ankle sprain. 7.30 on ESPN. We have the Boston Celtics playing the New York Knicks. That will be fun to watch. Jason Tatum versus Julius Randle. Definitely looking forward to seeing that. 7.30. The new look Washington Wizards will take a battle against the Toronto Raptors. That should be fun in Toronto. Gotta love that. 8 o'clock, Cleveland Cavaliers will open their season against the Memphis Grizzlies. While the Houston Rockets and Jalen Green and Kevin Porter will open up against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have an eye to competing for the playoffs. We'll see if it happens. Also at 8, the 76ers, without Ben Simmons, will play the Pelicans without both Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. So that'll be important to watch. Not really if you're a Pelicans fan, but we'll see. 8.30, the Orlando Magic will do battle against San Antonio Spurs. 9 o'clock, the Thunder will play the Jazz. 10 o'clock on ESPN, the Denver Nuggets will clash with the Phoenix Suns, a rematch of the Western Conference semifinals. And then last but not least, also at 10, the Sacramento Kings will play against the Portland Trailblazers, De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard. Let's get it. This is going to be a fun slate of games tonight, y'all. I cannot wait to break these down with y'all tomorrow. But speaking of that, tomorrow, that is going to do it today for Round Ball Ramble. You know where to find me, if not on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. Check out HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBall. Tweets online, hoop-ball.com. Definitely stay tuned for a lot of content here. I'm excited to really get into the season. I am committed to just looking at everything I can on this league, trying to come up with the best content here for y'all to enjoy. So if y'all can give a, a like, a subscribe, it's not YouTube, a rating, that would be great. Definitely check it out. Round Ball Ramble, the first thing that pops up if you look it up on Google, on your podcast catcher, whatever the case may be, I would so, so appreciate that, y'all. It's going to be a fun year. I'm happy you rocking it with me right now, and I thank y'all for that. I appreciate the support. For today, for myself, I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Hi, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.